the last week has been a difficult time for many, many people. Uh, for the people in Myanmar especially, we know that the church and the, the people there are suffering because of the, the coup. And also in Singapore, we heard about the tragic loss of an ACSI boy from an orientation program. In fact, God tells us that His followers will not be, be, be prevented from going through pain and suffering. But He promised us in the scripture that He will not leave us alone or leave our side. That this world of sin tells us and reminds us this is not the end. That this world is not where we're supposed to be and things are not how it's supposed to be. And that God is promising us a new life, new hope, and promise to bring us home. So as we move forward into the new era, the new way of life, you know, I ask the church to pray. To pray for ASDEC as we think about how the church should function. How the church should move forward in our ministry and who should lead the church. Because it's not by someone who wants to be in charge that should be selected and elected, like what we see in Myanmar. But it should be someone who God has called into the, the leading position. So pray. Pray for the church as the church board goes through a process of uh, looking for new people, uh, looking for leaders who God has called into the ministry that God has prepared for us. And also we're also looking at uh, physically that we won't be able to all gather in 798 uh, as per 2019 for a while. How are we going to function? How are we going to move forward? And I'm reminded about a church that, that hung together in Jerusalem, refusing to leave. And God says, go. Go out there. Go out into the diaspora because people need to hear about the gospel. There are people suffering out there who need to hear about hope. Church, we need to go there and be His church wherever we are. I show you in the business meeting that we're all concentrated and located too close to each other. And there are many places, even this very small, tiny Singapore, where the presence of Adventists as a church is not there. But I know you live there. And so the church is already there. And so let's the church rise up and be the light that the, the darkness needs to see. So wherever you are living, that's your mission field. Go there and shine for Jesus. And also see a new face among us today. I don't know how you hear about us, but welcome. Welcome for joining us today. We'll chat more a little bit after, although nowadays we can't really interact. But thank you for joining us today. Next, we are going to conduct uh, an online uh, Bible study training for teachers to, to learn how to teach Bible study. You know, uh, I, I was also thrown into it when I was younger. You know, I was called, hey, you should give Bible studies. I'm like, oh, yes, I should give Bible studies. But nobody actually really taught me how to give Bible studies. Just, just, just teach the Bible. I'm like... Like the pastor? I can't teach like the pastor. And so what I end up doing is trying to divert all these people to the pastor because he knows. He's the professional. He's the expert. But over the years, I've learned and people have shared and guided me. And I, I think that's something I need to do, that I need to share with all of you to, to know how you can receive this wonderful blessing of sharing truth with those out there who need to hear about God's uh, gospel and message. And finally, I need to read a statement from the Seventh-day Adventist Conference in regards to vaccination. Uh, we have an uh, unfortunate visit from the Ministry of Home Affairs because of certain incident that happened. And so I'm going to read the statement as per what is written. And uh, it's, it's, it's published to all the churches. And it's on our website and it'll be available to everyone who wants to read about it later on. But I'm going to read through it. A statement on vaccination by the Seventh-day Adventist Conference, Singapore. We have lately been made aware that several members of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Singapore have discouraged members of the general public from availing themselves of the COVID-19 vaccination program currently being rolled out in Singapore. In the context of distributing flyers in a public space, ostensibly on behalf of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Singapore, 
The Seventh-day Adventist Conference Singapore wishes to clarify that the members had done so were acting out of their own capacity and without the sanction of the Seventh-day Adventist Conference Singapore or their own local church leadership. The World Seventh-day Adventist Church, of which the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Singapore is a part of, believes and advocates for the responsible practice of evidence-based medicine. In fact, the Seventh-day Adventist Church runs numerous hospitals and healthcare centers worldwide, all of which provide holistic healthcare rooted in sound scientific principles and evidence-based medicine. Immunization drives such as the COVID-19 vaccination program presently being rolled out in Singapore are a fundamental component of public health, particularly in the face of the highly contagious and potentially devastating infectious disease such as COVID-19. The commitment of the Singapore government to ensuring the well-being of its people by means of making COVID-19 immunization available to all is laudable. While the choice to take up the COVID-19 vaccine has been left to the discretion of the individual, the Seventh-day Adventist Conference Singapore wishes to remind our church members that this discretion does not connote a right or freedom to spread disinformation or misinformation of any nature. And public vaccination against COVID-19 is entirely in keeping with the spirit of the health message and our historic commitment to best practices in healthcare and public health. This being the case, the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Singapore strongly encourages its members to avail themselves of the vaccine when they are able to do so. Finally, our hearts are with all who have been adversely affected in one way or another by the pandemic. We pray and urge all believers to join us in praying for a speedy resolution to the pandemic and for God's continued guidance, mercy, and protection. So I remind the church, Lord, that the, the, the message we have to bring is of hope, not of fear, not of unreasonable conspiracy, but of truth. To bring about the gospel message is our priority, not of other things that we're not sure of. And so leading to today's scripture reading, I invite you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, for those of you who are at home. Giving you time to turn to, or you can look at the slide. But if you have not turned your Bible for a while, it's time to turn it. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I invite our Singapore Adventist Conference President, Pastor Johnny Khan, to share with us this morning. Good morning, church. A very happy Sabbath to all of you. I think we live in uh, very uncertain times. And especially in today's uh, economy, uh, many people would start saving for early retirement. Uh, many of you are very well-versed in the different financial instruments. And uh, you may invest in the different properties, uh, different uh, commodities, or putting your money in the best uh, fixed deposits if the interest is good. And for those who think only of today, will spend away the money. But those who consider the future will invest. Do you agree? And I think in Singapore especially, many people say that, you know, you can uh, afford uh, 
to retire unless you have uh, significant savings, unless you make plans for it. Now, if financially, this is what we are going through, what about investing in people? What about investing in people? Because a lot of times as a church, we invest a lot in buildings, in structures, in activities, in programs. But what about investing in people? And I think we will see the impact of that because in God's economy, people are of the highest value. And when we invest in people, uh, it's not just for this life, but also for the life to come. So this morning, I want to look at two, two persons, one to the eyes of Jesus, the other one to the Apostle Paul. How they look at the church of God, how they look at people, how they had invested their lives in a few men and women so that they later on will become truly faithful, reproducing, mature disciples for Him. You know, there is an author who wrote this, uh, Robert Coleman, in the book called The Master Plan of Evangelism. He said, One cannot transform a world except as individuals in the world are transformed. And individuals cannot be changed except as they are molded in the hands of the master. In other words, change begins with individuals. You know, it is interesting to note this, that Jesus did not spend the majority of his time with the crowd. Even though he went from street to street, he traveled from town to town, he visited city to city. But the large bulk of the time, Jesus spent his time with who? With his 12 disciples. And that is why you would always hear about the 12 disciples. And he taught them how to pray. He taught them how to preach the word of God. He taught them how to live the word of God. He showed them how the power of grace can transform their lives. He demonstrated to them how miracles, divine miracles can be performed. He showed compassion on them. He loved them. He nurtured them. He developed them. He trained them. He corrected them. He molded them. He enabled them. He discipled them. He empowered them. And finally, sent them into the world. Now, Jesus was deliberate, isn't it? Because if you look at the entire four Gospels, even though he had performed many miracles, he had preached many sermons. But you will find that always they are examples and models for the 12 disciples. And why was he doing that? It was intentional. Because he believed that it is through the mission of these few disciples that he had trained and mentored and invested his life in that when he had departed, they would continue his mission. And so his strategy is very simple. Gather a few individuals, even though they could be raw, they could be broken, they could be unfinished product, they could be incomplete. But through the divine grace of God, through the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, He will transform them and mold them and shape them. And so He said that when He is gone, this Holy Spirit will be with them, will empower them to reach the world for, for Jesus. So you will find that He did not focus 
on the crowds. There were many people who wanted to follow Jesus, right? Not that they were not important, but he recognized that his primary mission basically was to invest in the lives of these 12 disciples. That's why for the next three and a half years, the disciples literally was with him. And they were all looking to become like the Messiah. And you look at the life of Jesus, he concentrated on these few individuals. And a movement literally began right after his ascension to heaven. We call that the Pentecost, isn't it? And the disciples were gathering in the upper room and they decided that how could we continue the, the mission of Jesus to bring the gospel to the entire world, to share His saving grace to every kindred, tongue and people. And so, the church began this movement with Jesus' intentionality of trying to invest His life in these 12 disciples. And if you were looking at them in the early years, these 12 disciples, you were what? You would have given up on them. You know, I, I happened to, to go to see the, uh, the portrait of the Last Supper. And uh, uh, right there, uh, in Italy. And you will find that actually the painting was placed in a dining hall. And, uh, and if you look at the, the, uh, the facial expression of the 12 disciples, even just a few days before Jesus would be crucified, they were still fighting to be power brokers in the new kingdom to come. So if you were wondering, you know, would Jesus be wasting his time if you were to judge Jesus, his strategy of investing in the lives of these disciples? Would he be wasting his time? But you know what? Within those months, you know, the Lord knows the beginning to the end. And his investment is never gone to waste. And he develops his disciples. And today, I think he has put that model for us too. Now, the, the Seventh-day Adventist Church is basically a very program-driven church. Uh, we, we love our Sabbath school classes. We love our small groups. We love our fellowship. We love all the different activities. Now, they, they are not wrong. They, they, are, they are good. But they are only the, the structure to facilitate what? To facilitate that life can be changed. Life can be transformed. Ultimately, all these things must bring to a saving relationship with Jesus and with the community. You know, uh, a program-driven church is actually very comfortable. It's like going to a mall. You know, you like to go to shopping mall. Singaporeans love going to the shopping mall, especially of the hot, uh, humid weather. You know? So you, you go to the mall. I think many of our overseas friends, when they uh, came to Singapore, they said to me, well, I, I really enjoy it. Even though it's hot and humid, your buses are air-conditioned, your MRTs are air-conditioned, your malls are air-conditioned. So, so, so they dive into these places. But if you go to a mall, it's very structured, isn't it? There's a food court, there are the shops, there's an escalator, it's safe, it's sound. And very often, um, we, 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 we love doing that. But to bring the shops out of the mall and to, to, to truly develop a new model, we find it difficult. But you realise that even when you go to a mall, it's not the structure of the mall, it's not the grand of the mall. A lot of times it's what? Whether you will buy product, whether you would, you would go into the restaurant, it's the service of those people. If they serve you well, if, 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 if the, uh, if, if the uh, uh, chef are, are doing a good job and they engage you and relationships are formed, you go back. And some people still like to go to the neighbourhood provision shops. Not in comparison with the mall. The, the mall may be 
maybe maybe a five star in terms of its facilities and building. But they will go to the neighborhood provision shop. Why? Because of the relationship, isn't it? Normally, it's just more than just the convenience. It's that there is a relationship. And I think developing relationship is messy. Because it's easy to join a program. It's easy to join an activity. Yeah, I, I, I come for uh, the classes, I come for the pathfinders, I come for the youth activities, and they are good. But ultimately, the bulk of the energy of the church must be diverted that through all these form of activities, we must invest in the lives of others. A story was said that a man was meditating by the river. One day, he saw a scorpion floating on the water. And when the, when the scorpion drifted near the old man, the old man reached out his hand to rescue the scorpion, but was stung by the scorpion. A, a bite later, he tried again, he was stung again. And his hand was swelling and he was in pain. And then another man across the river saw this mediator was, was doing this uh, stunt of saving the scorpion. And he shouted at this old man. He said, hey old man, said, what's wrong with you? Only a fool would risk his life for the sake of an ugly, evil scripture, uh, creature. Say, don't you know that you could kill yourself by saving the ungrateful scorpion? Well, the old man calmly replied. He says, my friend, just because it's the scorpion's nature to sting, that does not change my nature to save. And I think the church nature is to save and seek the lost, isn't it? And in that process, how can we nurture, develop more people into the field? I really appreciate Pastor James. You know, just now he's appealing for Bible teachers. You know, if you want to be a Bible teacher, you are trying to invest in the lives of others because a lot of times, the Bible study material, many people will look at, oh, Pastor, you must give me the best Bible study material. Now, that, that may be a useful tool. But a lot of times, the Bible study material doesn't change the person. It is the Bible study teacher who invested his life or her life in another person, a seeker, and ministering to the person. The person may have a lot of emotional uh, baggages, maybe a lot of prejudice, a lot of other issues. And that process is messy. But you know what? Like Jesus, the fruit of it, when they are mature, when they are developed, when they are finally blossoming for the kingdom of God, the return is tenfold, hundredfold, and more than you can ask or imagine. And I think the basic principle of church multiplication is this. And I think I want to bring it to as that church. I think the virus pandemic has taught us one thing, isn't it? Nothing is eternal on this earth, at least. And church business cannot be as usual. And, I, and I, I thought the strategy is very good that we are trying to, to branch out. But branching out in the process, we need to develop people. We need to grow people. We need to strengthen people. You know, uh, we are now in the midst of a virus pandemic and someone says, Christianity is a viral hope. I thought, wow, what does it mean? Is it because in this COVID-19 pandemic, right, the transmission is always from people to people, person to person. Now, if you use that as a metaphor, then the best medium to transmit the gospel is not the church building, as, even though that is useful. It's not the Sabbath school classes, even though that is helpful. It's not the Pathfinders or the a Adventist youth meetings or the different fellowship at Paula, even though those are wonderful. But ultimately, the essence is what? It's the people. 
They're connecting them with Jesus. And that as you invest your time, your life, you are transmitting the viral hope, the hope of Jesus' second coming, the hope of what it means to live an abundant life. And that is why I want to bring your attention to the second person, briefly. You know, I, I, I realised something uh, whilst I was doing the PowerPoint. Uh, last night, I was scrambling. And my wife reminded me, say, you should learn from that Church. I said, why? He says, their PowerPoint is never cluttered. I said, hey, yeah, that is true. We must go back to the basic. So I said, oh, that is good. And you know what? I could do my PowerPoint within 20 minutes. Well, that was fast because it's just keywords. Now, you may, you, you may say that I may not have artistic talent. I fully agree with you. But I thought maybe sometimes in all the PowerPoint slides that I had in the past had been so muddled with all the things that we lost the focal point of the PowerPoint. And the PowerPoint is not to substitute the preacher. It's basically just to direct and point. And all the activities of the church must direct the people to the community of the church where Jesus is the essence and we are His extended stewards to invest our resources in building them for the kingdom of God. You know, uh, Paul and Timothy is very interesting because if you look at the Apostle Paul, at least 13 letters in the New Testament by him. Uh, so he's such a man of authority. Uh, 27 letters, at least 13 is written by him. And, so, uh, and uh, Apostle Paul, previously known as Saul of Tarsus, and he grew up with his Jewish parents. His family had dual citizenship. He was a pure-blooded citizen of Israel from the tribe of Benjamin, as well as a Roman citizen. And he was highly educated. Paul had his education while in Jerusalem under the tutelage of the great Rabbi Gamaliel while he was living there. And most scholars say that Paul at least planted 14 churches or started 14 churches. Some say 20. We're not sure. But even if he did not start all the churches, his disciples, his apprentice leaders had initiated those movements. And one of the significant part of Paul is this, that uh, he invested his life in a few individuals. Then you say, did Paul do that? I thought he went around doing missionary journeys and trips. Yes, he did that. But he was very intentional in developing leaders. Now, I want to talk about Timothy. Timothy is basically, his father was a Gentile. His mother was a Jew. And, and uh, you say, that why was Timothy chosen? Well, I want to share with you just this framework of Paul. Paul's mindset is very simple. That he would have, just like Jesus, he would have chosen a few young Christians under his mentorship. Whatever word you want to use. If, if the word mentorship is not suitable for you, you don't like the word, you can use the word discipleship. If it's not, then you can use whatever words, but they mean the same thing. Investing your life in the life of others. And Paul invests his life in the life of others and instructing them to multiply also like him, invest in the life of others so that they can go on and duplicate the work of the church. Can you imagine today, now, as Pastor James says that he will, he will be having the online Bible study training. Can you imagine as that church, we have 20 Bible study teachers actively giving Bible study, Amen. investing their lives in 20 potential. Just say one to one. For the next one year, that's all. Let, let's say that, let's assume that. Imagine at the end of the one year, by the grace of God, even if 50% will say that, I want to know more about the church, I want to come to church. That itself is a tremendous, a marvellous change, isn't it? And, and imagine... 
The whole church will do that. And over time, how much more people will be warned the kingdom of God. And people are not just warming up the pews. But you say, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm old, you know. Uh, I'm aged. What can I do? You know, as long as you are still alive, you can call. You can minister. You know, a lot of times, I think the virus pandemic has taught us, uh, if you cannot meet face to face, you still can meet what? Through all different platforms, isn't it? Even a phone call will do. And you, you can be ministering to different people. But for, for those of you who are able, for those of you who are active, for those of you who are considering about the future of SDA Church in the coming years, I play with you this, this uh, morning as we just for the next few minutes, look into the Apostle Paul's uh, fundamental. Uh, some Pastor James had read to us, 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. Let me read to you from the New Living Translation. This is what Paul's specific instructions to who? To Timothy. We'll talk about Timothy in due time. But Timothy is just one of the young guys whom Paul has taken under his mentorship. And here, Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. These two are actually pastoral letters encouraging Timothy, counselling Timothy, helping Timothy, directing Timothy, so that he can be an effective leader where he is placed. And he says, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. So Timothy, you have heard me, you have seen me in action, how I have been a model to you. He says what? Now, teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be what? able to pass them on to others. Uh, I don't know, uh, some of you, my Pastor James will, can relate to that. We were growing up, one of the most popular songs uh, we did at Adventist Church, uh, when we were at least, I don't know, during my, my younger days, is Pass It On. We say that uh, it only takes a spark, right, to get the fire going, right? Pass it on. I want you to just hold this thing, pass it on. How do we pass on as that church? After you are gone. If you're no longer around, and then in this virus pandemic, we realize that it's not just applying to old people. Huh? Anything can happen. And we live in a world of absolute uncertainty. And how do you pass it on? Just keep that framework. So I want you to look at the, the relationship between Paul and Timothy. Just three stages. Number one, there is this parenthood. Uh, in, first letter, in Paul's first letter to Timothy, in uh, 1 Timothy 1 verse 2, he addresses Timothy as my true son in the faith. He's a son. So Paul, uh, when first met Timothy in Acts 16, was uh, during his second missionary journey. And he stopped in the city of Lystra and picked up the young disciple uh, where the local congregation said that this, this young man had good potential. Now, Pastor Paul, take on. And Paul took Timothy under his wing uh, Timothy accompanied him, assisted him, served uh, Paul uh, like an apprentice. Timothy's biological father was Greek and no evidence given whether he was uh, a Christian or not. So perhaps Paul could have filled the shoes of a spiritual father to Timothy. And you will find that in the second missionary journey, now I just want to sum up here, Timothy accompanied Paul to Macedonia, to Philippi, to Thessalonica, to Berea, all these cities. And, and Paul left Timothy and Silas uh, in some places to help the new converts to their faith. Can you imagine? What was he doing? He did not ask Timothy, go there, look for ground, uh, mm, beat the land, uh, get the builders to, to construct 
a, a, a concrete church. That was never the plan. The plan was what? Priority is to what? Is to win non-believers. Is to win seekers. Is to win those who may have discouraged in the faith. Those who are saddened by the circumstances. To encourage them, to nurture them, to bring them into the faith. To bring them to Jesus. And when Paul came to Athens, he also sent Timothy to come along with him. So in the first stage of Paul and Timothy's relationship, it was more like a parent, a father overlooking a son. I'm trying to make it uh, digestible so that we can understand. So you can do that. Many of you here have been as church for many years. Now, even if you are watching for overseas, you know, you, you have friends, you, 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 you have members, you know. And you could look at it as God, who, who do you want me to be? Uh, who, who are the Timothys that you will send into my life that I can, I can now father, quote unquote, over them? Invest my life over them, watch over them, encourage them, nurture them. Yes, I may not be perfect. Now you look at Paul, is he perfect? No, he's not. But through the grace of God, he becomes more and more like Christ. And through the influence, he impacts Timothy. And, and so, first, first, first phase. The second phase, you will find that it's pace setting. Uh, in, in investing in the lives of others, a lot of times we, we mentor people. Just for example, when you give Bible studies. Now, I've given a lot of Bible studies in my life. I can tell you one thing. If you have 100 minutes of Bible studies, a lot of times, the actual study of the Word of God, maybe it's only 30, 40 minutes. The rest of half the time is basically helping the person to deal with his marriage, his issues, his anger, his finances, his, his relationships, his, and all the things. And it's really messy, I tell you. But you know what? We are thankful because God does not abandon us there. And God developed the system, and the system is called the church. And you and I can, can you know, I think just like Pastor James talked about electing new leaders. I hope, you know, you do not and say, oh, I'm old, let the younger ones do. No, you can do different roles. Yes, you may not be energetic. You may not have the gift of singing. You realize that I, I never joined any worship singing group because, you know, I think if I would be singing along with them, they were all looking at me. It's like, you know, pastor, just stick to your preaching. Huh? <laughs> uh, don't cross line. And we all have different giftings. Can you imagine, can you imagine the church? Every one of you, is so committed to rebuilding as that church to a new platform in all the mission endeavors. And we develop people in a year's time, in two years' time, in three years' time. Many of you, Pastor James and many of the elders, will be freed from many of the mundane duties and operations for the church. And they will be released to what? To, to look at the new groups. How can we plant more people? That is the only workable survival strategy for the church. If we look inward, we are just happy every time we bring our guitar, we sing Kumbaya, you know, and then the song, Pass It On, will get louder to softer to softer and one day, the song will just die. Now, you say, oh, pastor, are you exaggerating? No, they say that church is only one generation from extinction. They say, oh, you are exaggerating. But even if it is not extinct, it may be declining and deteriorating to a point that Jesus is no longer in the church. Is it possible? It's highly possible. And that is why I think uh, in, 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 in phase two, it's is a pace setting. And what did Paul tell Timothy? In 2 Timothy 3, he says, But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I what? How I live. 
and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. What a man. He says, Timothy, I may not be perfect, but you have seen me how I live my life. And I want to impart that to you. So it's the molding and the shaping of Timothy. And last phase is this. In the phase three is partnering. If you study Paul's third missionary journey, writing to the uh, Christians in the city of Corinth, you know, uh, in the second, in second Corinthians, Paul included Timothy's name together with his name. Wow. You see, he, he was one a son and then he was his apprentice and discipling. Now what? Paul considered Timothy to be what? To be his partner. You know, and in fact, in, in, uh, when Paul returned to Rome in AD 64, he left Timothy in Ephesus to take care of the church. And Ephesus is a cosmopolitan city. The church is, uh, you know, in Revelation, uh, chapter 2 and 3, the seven churches, the first church is the church of Ephesus. And Paul uh, instructed Timothy to stay. And you look at the Jewish tradition, Timothy became the leader of the church of Ephesus. And the church grew and expanded. And so 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, these two pastoral letters are from Paul while he was in Rome in his final years writing to Timothy and say, Timothy, you know, in, in uh, um, Timothy verse 21, it says, Timothy, my fellow workers, send you his greetings. You know, even in, 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 in the book of uh, Romans, Paul referenced to Timothy that together they are partners and they are working to serve the Lord. You know, I, I don't know if Pastor James remember the days he was a youth leader here in Thompson uh, in the church and then we were all working together. And now, you know, I, I was thankful because in my early years when I was a youth leader, somebody invested his life in me. And along the way, God sent different people. You know, and, and God has His uh, interesting and humorous way of sending people to invest in life. It may not be, you, you don't think you are the only saviour, no. God uses a chain of people for His ministry. And, and He uses me, and you know what, those days, uh, like what you say, you know, when we ask to teach Bible study, what do you do? I don't know, we just try, right? And today we are much more structured, we are much more organised. And, and, and Pastor James now, we are all partners, we are all colleagues. And same as some of the older pastors were mentoring me, we are now partners and colleagues. And I think the same thing can be said of Paul and Timothy. Can you imagine that relationship happens in Esther Church? That we have many Pauls who look at the different Timothys. You know, if you are wondering, Lord, who, who, should, I, who should I mentor, who should I invest? First, I think before you look for Pastor James, uh, you pray. Open my eyes, Lord. Impressed upon me, the Lord will surely send you. You know, if you ask for a potential student for Bible study, the Lord never denies your request. He will, as long as you're willing, say, Lord, if you, this morning, if you don't want to talk about Bible study, help me to witness. The Lord will, will, will send you interesting ways. If you pray sincerely, the Lord will answer. You know, it's interesting. I always very fearful to pray for patience. But sometimes I realize that I'm a bit impatient, right? And we pray for patience the Lord will send the most impatient or the most irritable circumstances that happen in you, right? But, you know, that's for my good. To shape and mold me. And in the same way, you know, growing people will grow 
the church. And I think as, as we are moving in, in, in the new era, as we look at this whole world, the church cannot remain business as usual. Agree? We cannot do things the same way we had always done before. If it had been successful, all the Adventist churches in Singapore today would have been multiplied by 100 times, right? So I'm part of that problem, but we are also looking for the solution. And the solution is found in the Word of God. Not just what I say, what you say. But looking to the life of Jesus, looking to the life of the Apostle Paul, and how he had invested his life. For example, in this case, in the life of Timothy. And Timothy truly lived out. You know, he was just a young boy. And many of times we despise the youth, right? I don't think, you know, uh, you, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, in, in Jurong Church, I was the pastor there for many years. And uh, many of them knew when I was growing up. And uh, a few older members used to make this comment. You know, when they saw a lot of boys running around the church or sometimes they're kicking the doors, you know, uh, folding the church bulletin and make them into flying aeroplanes or making into boats and, and all kinds of things. And then sometimes they are very rowdy and during the worship, you wish that everybody would be so disciplined to sit online. But I was never those boys, right? And I would be running around and then many of them would say, uh, if there is hope for Pastor Johnny Khan, there is hope for all our boys. <laughs> and, and you know it's true because when I was growing up in church my father always got complaint from other elders say oh your boy did not behave in worship right I would go home and got punished right so you know I, I, I thought you know, you know what someday uh, I, I would never want to attend church when I, when I grew up and I would never want to work for church not, not so work for church even attending church right but look what, what happened right now I'm speaking to you right I have to swallow all the words why? because God has His plan designed for me more than I could even ask or imagine. And He has the best plan for me. And He has sent different people into my life to mold me, to shape me, to correct me, to help me in the path of righteousness. And you can do that too, today. I want to end, you know, uh, with, with this. I say, pass it on, right? I, I was watching, uh, 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 believe me a lot, huh? I, I used to be a runner. Uh, uh, you, you, you may find it hard to uh, imagine. That's fine. I can understand. Right? Uh, uh, look at me. But we used to run. You know, but I, I observe, right, that in the Olympics, very often, professional relay teams, right, they would compete for the gold medal. And these runners are very good runners. They are professional runners. They are not amateur. Huh? They are not just like hobby, once a while, you, you take a run, you know. It's not like, these are like, you know, every 100 meter, these guys like below the 10 second mark. That, that kind of a speed. But interestingly, very often, these professional runners, when they pass the baton to each other, they drop the baton. Now you know, in the Olympics, if you drop the baton, it's over. Because every team is won by like split second. You know, it's, 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 and they're all professional athletes. Now I never understood why. So I was reading about all this uh, running stuff. And then there was a coach that gave his observation. He says that many of these runners who compete in the Olympics, they are professional athletes, very good, very competent, but they are usually strangers. They, have, they will come together uh, just a couple of months before the Olympics and then uh, they will be invited to the relay. So they are basically a group of strangers running together. And he made this comment. He says, granted, these strangers usually have a lot of experience 
running relays, but they don't have experience running with each other. And I think if you look at the race of Jesus and Apostle Paul, they run with each other. For a long time, Jesus invested his life, three and a half years in the life of his 12 disciples. Paul invested several years in the life of Timothy. They run together. That's why they did not drop the patent. They pass it on. And I think in the same way, church, if we want to look at SZ Church, if we want to look at how this church can continue to thrive and, and scale new heights in her mission endeavors, I pray that as you reconsolidate, replan, regroup, you first, your first priority is to look at how can we invest in the life of others. How can God call me to invest? Whether young or old, you can do it. Even with the parable, remember the parable? Even with the servant with one talent, he's what? He's able to use it if he wants to. But do not bury your talent. And as long as you have life, as long as you have the opportunity, many of you have rich experiences and you can help and groom. And ultimately, you look at the model of Jesus, you look at the model of Apostle Paul. They help to bring the church. And so if you do that, perhaps you can sing the song, pass it on because you can pass the baton from this generation to the next, to the next. So I pray that this uh, morning, as we come to worship the Lord in this framework, may the Lord help us to recognize that the time is short and that we are wanted in this kingdom. So if the nominating committee or if the church board or if the pastor, if the elders are approaching you, would you want to be involved in this ministry or that ministry? I hope you will be like what? You will be like the uh, uh, like Samuel when God called him. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. Three times the Lord called him. And finally he said, Lord, here am I. Your servant is listening. So may the Lord be with you. May the Lord impress upon this church to scale new heights in the coming weeks, in the coming years and months. The that church will not be the same as what of is today. May the Lord bless us.